we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. And keep a lookout for the new midweek update where we share more headlines that we can't fit or talk about on this main show and give a little riff, a little humorous joke to it. But we thought we'd kick it off by saying, good for us. We have apparently more listeners than CNN Plus had viewers because they only made it 21 days before they shut the whole thing down. That's what I was seeing. My, uh, I mean, everybody knew that it was going to be an absolute failure before it started. Everybody. I didn't hear anybody say, oh, that's a good idea. I mean, CNN's viewership was plummeting ever since Trump hasn't been president anymore. I don't know why they thought that people who are bailing from a cable network that's usually included in their cable package already that they don't pay for separately would be willing to pay for CNN+. Plus. Yeah, it always makes you wonder why, like you said, everybody knew this was not going to be some big commercial success. Everybody but them. How, you just wonder what world these people live in that they, that they don't know that when everybody else does. And Chris Wallace. Well, that's, yeah, that's pretty funny. He got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. He left Fox. He bad-mouthed them. He didn't belong there anyway and then went to CNN Plus and now he doesn't have a job. Um <laughs> One of my favorite things is that CNN is reporting on the failure of CNN Plus like it's <laughs> like it's somebody else, like they didn't do it. Like one of their tweets is CNN Plus, the streaming service that was hyped as one of the most significant developments in the history of CNN, will shut down on April 30th, just 1 month after it launched. That's from CNN. <laughs> like they're that like is, that that is strange. It is. It, it's, well, they think it's like they're acting like it's some other entity, it like they be, didn't fail. Yeah. Within the whatever parent corporation, whoever is reporting for CNN probably has nothing to do with CNN. It's still Plus. really weird, though. It is weird to say it like that. It's not. Yeah, but it's not CNN. It's CNN. Oh, oh, okay. Two different. <laughs> two different things. It's the old night court is like they somebody a reporter asked Dan Fielding, weren't you the guy that lost a council race to a dead guy? He's like, no, that was Dan Fielding. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only is it CNN Plus that went in the tank, but other streaming services like Disney Plus and Netflix are seeing huge drops in their subscribership and uh, stock prices. Yeah, I heard um, Disney has had the worst performance, the most, the, the greatest um, 31% drop in stock in the last 12 months. So that's... I was actually just talking to someone uh, who we were joking about is eventually will, I'm sure, live in Florida. But we were, then we were talking about DeSantis and I said, yeah, but by the time you get there, you're going to have lost him because he'll be on a national ticket or something but when they were talking about all the change and the pendulum swinging back the other way the things that he's doing and implementing against disney and i said you know the left was getting away with a lot of things 
and it was until they started to involve children. And that is when you talked about last week that they jumped the shark. And I feel like that was really what triggered, you know, you don't want to ignite the parents against you. That's a huge base. And the passion that people are going to feel towards protecting their kids is going to be something that is unstoppable. They awake to sleeping giant. Yeah. And it's similar that just like CNN, how do they not know they're not going to be successful with, with a paid um, subscription you know, viewing? How, how do they not know that parents don't want strangers, people they don't know, they don't know their backgrounds, they don't know their makeup, they don't know their character, they don't know anything about them, wanting them talking to their children about the last thing you'd want somebody talking to your children about? How do they not know that? Couldn't tell you. They, they don't think about that kind of stuff. They don't have those same principles. I mean, it, it also makes you think, are they okay with somebody talking to their kids about that? They must be. They must be. And that is terrifying. Well, I did see, um, you know, somebody trying to give it an equivalency saying, you know, I'll let you talk to my kids about this, you know, this, you know, sexual indoctrination when you let me talk to your kid about Jesus. Yeah, no kidding. Which, you know, but the trouble is, is there are a bunch of, most of them are a lot of soulless people without kids anyways. So. Did you guys hear this? This is a, this is, I, I have no uh, understanding of what this means at this point or where this is headed, but it's something to be aware of as we move forward. Did you hear this list of all of these food processing plants in recent past that have been yeah okay let's get real weird here we're about to get we're about to get a little conspiracy theory area yeah except that i mean the stories are 100 percent true the the theory that i've seen a lot of people say accusations i'm just asking questions about yeah interesting trend yes an interesting trend that all these food processing plants one was like a potato uh processing what and there was a bunch of different meat processing plants in oregon that are like catching fire or really weird blow just completely blowing up all at the same time fertilizer um plants blowing up which i mean use fertilizer to make bombs so that's not that far off but I'm not, yeah, I'm just asking questions. I'm not and making it wasn't any accusations, like, but the CIA did it. But it wasn't like six plants. It was like the a, a long list that he just kept reading and reading. And then he said, then he goes, this isn't even the list. This is, I could go on and on. One of them, yeah, it was bizarre. Th- that's, not a co- that's not a coincidence. No. What are they doing? Okay, a Tyson Foods plant in Kansas, a couple days later, a meat processing plant near Atlanta burned. Um, In February, a food processing plant in Oregon burned down. A Taylor Farms food processing plant in Salinas, California, also in in April. Also in April, a food processing plant in another one in Oregon. A Walmart fulfillment center in Plainfield, Indiana in March. Uh, in April, New Hampshire East Conway beef and pork plant broke fire. I heard somebody um, try to explain it as that these plants are just overstressed and they're working too fast to try and meet demand. So they're taking less safety precautions and that's the reason that they're burning down. Too much friction. 
the belts are because they're moving too, fast. too quick. They're moving too fast. Stuff's getting too hot, and boom, ignition. Cassie, were you going to say something else or read another one, or you look like you're going to say something? Oh no! Oh, that didn't include the Idaho, the potato one. The, that's the Idaho potato list one. That I have uh, here now. The Idaho potato one wasn't that a, a plane crashed into it? Oh yeah, an airplane crashed into one of them, and the pilot was obviously dead. And um, so they were wondering. You'd like to be able to ask him questions, but well, he crashed a plane. My thought was though is was he dead before he ever hit the plant? They put a body in the seat and then and then bailed out and pointed it towards the food processing plant. Here's another one in Arizona, a food bank in Arizona. I've got two stories on this that when you collate the number, it's crazy. I'll that we will link. All since like the beginning of the year? Yes. This is within a couple of months. That's even more. If, if that was within a year to 18 months, I'd be shocked. Everything I saw said like February, March, April. I know. Okay, so three months. Food shortage is coming whether you like it or not. When, yeah, um, when did we get warned that the food shortage was coming? I'm going to start having to stand guard in my, over my garden, apparently. <laughs> Next thing I know, it'll look out the window and be on fire. It's rabbits. <laughs> hey, here's a new new Disney movie. One of those animal animated, the animals revolt and they start burning food That's called Animal plants. Farm. Food processing plants? Yeah. <laughs> That's called Animal Farm. That's real. <laughs> Going back a topic, speaking of having a soul or not having a soul, uh, I read a story, it's very long, so I'll give you the short version of it, that essentially recent scientific research and experiments using human stem cells and creating uh, brain organoids, <laughs> that's what they called them, what? has sparked, yes, brain organoids, it has sparked a conversation on how to define consciousness and the philosophical and ethical issues surrounding creating consciousness and using it to research conditions such as autism or schizophrenia or the human brain's response to different drugs and medical treatments. The experiment that got the most scrutiny and sparked the most was an experiment in August 2019, so this has been going on a while, that reported the creation of human brain organoids that produced coordinated waves of activity resembling those seen in premature babies. The waves continued for months before the team shut the experiment down. And I'm just thinking, yeah, let's play God some more. That can't possibly end badly. Without knowing any of the details, I just want to go on the record that I'm against anything using the term organ, uh, organoid. Or organoids. Yeah. Brain organoids. Yeah. It's a terrible I'm, word. Anything using that word, I'm against. Yeah, that definitely and- sounds like that's some that's an alien race. Most of the uh, article talks about the different conversations about different ways to potentially define consciousness and how they currently treat consciousness in you know people who are comatose or in vegetated states. And uh, I, I don't know. It just weirds me out. No more than I mean, Elon Elon Musk. We talk about Elon Musk being like you know fighting for freedom of speech and everybody on the right loves him right now but he's also the Neuralink guy and he had created that 
basically a chip that went in your brain and it let you control things on the outside world with your brain waves. And I don't like that. So I'm hoping that never happens. They got like a, I can't remember what they did. They got like a pig to think something. So yes, uh, the just a few months earlier before that, August 2019, a team at Yale University announced that it had at least partially restored life to the brains of pigs that had been killed hours before. By removing the brains from the pigs' skulls and infusing them with a chemical cocktail, the researchers revived the neurons' cellular functions and their ability to transmit electrical signals. So that's a restorative process to a brain that was already developed what you started with sounded like you were saying they were this growing. is more yes completely grown yes in a petri dish these other these human ones do you remember the uh, episode that uh carrie byron and uh balachi tori balachi had done where he controlled her made her drink they were eating like at a dinner table yeah, but that was you, what, yeah. what were they using? Oh, that was all they were stimulating all nerves, impulses. all electrical. Oh, yeah. okay. Like okay. hooked up to different parts of her arms and stuff. Okay. So you could you could get certain muscle groups to move based on which part of her body you sent shocks into. Okay. Oh, this other one was a neuroscientist at the University of California, San Diego. Uh, he connected the brain organoids to walking robots, modified their genomes with Neanderthal genes, launched them into orbit on board the International Space Station, and used them as models to develop more human-like artificial intelligence systems. Who is funding this? This is, cra- this is the, some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard. Have they never watched 2001 A Space Odyssey? No. Or iRobot? No one's watched iRobot. <laughs> I actually have. What are you what are you doing, Dave? No, that's not that's not iRobot. No, that's two th- that's Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't Will Smith in iRobot? Yeah, yes. I know. I was like, there's a joke here. <laughs> the the thing though about um this causing questions of consciousness I, I take it they mean when does life really stop when do we need right. to stop that's another because the fact that they compared them resembling those seen in premature babies was interesting to me yeah i feel like i would want to start with the discussion of what is life yeah well as opposed to when it starts and stops what, what is, is what is no what is life or as opposed to what is consciousness. But that would be a theological conversation. It couldn't be anything... For me, it wouldn't be anything other than a theological I think that if you can keep life going indefinitely, which is what they want to prove, I think that that devalues life the same way that abortion does. Because if you can keep right. somebody alive forever, I actually think that that devalues life. When the idea of being able to create life also... As Dad said before we started recording, it's like a way of saying, look, there's we can create life. There's no God. You don't need a creator. If I were Methuselah, though, I mean, think about it. And my wife was on my case to get something done around the house, and I'm 569 years old. I'm going like, I got 400 years to get to it. Get off my back, man. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> you didn't know it at the time. 
Wait, is your motivation if you can live good. forever? If your is your motivation to do anything just completely lost? I well, would think my, so. My life motto is already why do today what you can put off until tomorrow. And if there's an infinite number of tomorrows. Yeah. Well, dang. I I do think that there is some you know I'm all for having a good theological discussion. I do think that there is actually some um, goodness and obviously great intelligence in God, uh, his plan that when we um, stepped away from living in perfection in relationship with him, there's actually a benefit that we then had a finite life so that we valued it. Yes, he expelled them from the garden so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life and live forever forever. for their own good because now they have to live aware of this good and evil and they and slave to their sinful desires and to the flesh and that just gives you more and more time to get yourself into more and more trouble and to create more and more destruction yeah and again i just think valuing life and valuing the relationships and the people around you i i I just you know that's a good that's a good thing um, yeah, if you had if you had forever time, then the the, the people around you, anything true. that you did, is why you could do that whenever. It's the same thing with the um, that dumb theory about how if you give a monkey a typewriter and just he types for an infinite amount of time, that eventually, eventually he'll type. he'll create a coherent yeah. sentence. A no, coherent well, sentence. Well, it's not I, even just that. It's that they say that eventually, if he's there infinitely typing completely true. randomly, that eventually he'll type the Iliad and the Odyssey. And yeah, you know what? No, he wouldn't. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't. I mean, I, I get their point, do you know but what I don't think he would. Means? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, he still well, okay. would never mm-hmm. ever by accident string that much intelligence together. Well, you're right, but that's because you're not comprehending infinity replace the monkey with a computer that just spits out randomly generated characters forever for it, infinite let me say, time. If it had, it's got about it's got better odds than the universe appearing out of nothing if it was a learning computer if it could learn then yes but if it was just purely random i still don't think it would happen that's because you don't comprehend infinite time. It's in, a theory. In, it's yes, a theory. Infinite. You can't prove I, it. You're again, right. It's I impossible said, to I prove. Get, I said I get the theory. I just, I just, I, I wouldn't. It's pointless to even have that theory because it's so. Because minus- it's pointless to have the theory because you cannot test it. It is not possible to test. It's pointless because it's meaningless. It it it's it doesn't prove anything. It. The only thing that it proves is how people really can't comprehend infinity. Okay, well, maybe that. But the only thing it proves is to say, look how big infinity is. That's all it proves. That's it. But that's not what people use it as, Cade. People use it. it No, people use that. That theory is a basis to show how this universe could happen accidentally. That's what that's... That's what that theory is used for. Well, Given enough time that this universe could evolve accidentally. I see. I there's a there's a flaw in that too, though, because that theory 
says that matter was created out of nothing. Right. That that. So and, they're different. Well, and you have to have the multiverse theory in order to say, like, if you there was infinite amount of universes, then there is one in which we could have come about and we could exist. Right. And, and they have to create all these insane things right. and that's just the, to make their ideas to explain away God. Right. That's the multi-universe theory about all these universes. But it's not only that all these uni- millions and trillions of universes exist where, where something could happen, where the circumstances are just right for this world to exist. Th- their theory is that something out there is continuously spitting out more and more universes all the time. What's that thing? Would you like to hear a new theory that about made my brain explode? Sure. So this is the headline. Scientists say there's an anti-universe running backward in time. It's a new theory that at the Big Bang, they're basically, it's like taking the idea of equal and opposite reaction to the extreme. They use an illustration of, imagine you're jumping on a trampoline and you go down and you go almost all the way to where your feet touch the ground underneath and then you bounce back up. But you o- imagine you only see the upward part of it. Well, that wouldn't make sense because there had to be some sort of downward to go with it. And so it's that at the Big Bang, there is this symmetrical parallel universe to ours running backwards in time as ours goes forwards in time. And this also necessitates the existence of a new particle that we've never seen. All of this in order to explain the existence of dark matter, which is something that we cannot see, yet we say makes up the bulk of the matter in the universe. And I'm supposed to believe this is a much more plausible and believable theory than that idea of an all-powerful creator. That's poppycock. Okay. I never use that word, but that's what that is. I don't know why. I just feel like that is, it's too absurd for me to describe any other way. There's, that's just, that's just someone talking. That theory is just someone thinking out loud at, with zero evidence. They're just like, what Good is? Good job, because no, that's, poppycock, the legit definition is senseless talk. Nonsense. That's just Nailed fire, it. Up, fire up another bowl. <laughs> <laughs> right um man what if yeah did they come up with that theory yesterday because it was 420 well oh it, it it is a very recent story uh <laughs> it the story was published today uh, on the 24th well, tell me, with a theory yesterday while they were high t- tell me if i'm thinking about this correct cassidy you're the you're the okay. physicist here um, i don't know i felt like brian regan watching the nova channel my string on, cheese theory yeah okay but here's the thing um, what they're describing as a trampoline with the opposite and equal reaction. Yes. When you talk about an explosion, like the Big Bang, I would say you need to think more in terms of throwing a rock into a lake and seeing the the waves, the pressure waves move right, out. Right, a ripple effect. Uh, right. Yes. E- evenly in all directions. It's not the same thing. A big An explosion does not give you the same thing as what they're describing on the trampoline. Well, this is actually saying... It's not that when the Big Bang happened, this they're saying there are disagreements about what may have happened prior to the Bang itself. Could it be that what we call the Big Bang was the oh. inflection point of an even bigger bounce in progress? I like how you so say. They like I like collided. how you say there's a there's a disagreement about what may have That's happened before the existence That's of time. That's what the article says. <laughs> <laughs> There couldn't possibly be disagreements about something that no one ever observed. <laughs> That's crazy. 
we should all be in perfect agreement of something that happened at the beginning of time itself. So they're saying the Big Bang was the inflection point of the trampoline jump. We can Which all agree that we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I think someone's been watching too much Stranger Things and the, the upside and down the is next, our parallel universe or whatever. The next paragraph goes, dark matter is... If such a thing exists, <laughs> maybe even more perplexing to scientists than the Big Bang. This ranks right up there with the so-called don't say gay bill, it which never exist. said gay. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know what? I did think about that bill. It's like, you know what? You're right. That is that is what it's called because it never says gay. So <laughs> it's called the it's called the it doesn't say gay bill. I don't know why. So but anyway, just... now that our brains are all exploded. <laughs> my, see, my brain is not exploded. Because why? Because as soon as you started getting even further and further out there, I reeled it all back into this one singular thought. This is garbage. This is just garbage. <laughs> so well, Yeah, I filed it all away in one single file that said disregard entirely. No one knows what they're talking about. They're talking about all of these things. And Cassidy, you said something uh, a few minutes ago that's dead on and it ends all conversation. You can't even explain where matter comes from. You can't explain where it comes <laughs> from. You can't make it. You can't destroy it. End of discussion. It's, that's no different than God. Where did God come from? You can't make him. You can't destroy him. And we can't answer where it came from. Yet. This is what I don't like, though, about the uh, organoid theory thingy, because they're going to say, look, this is proves we don't need to have an right. intelligent design. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make is they have to go through all they have to jump through all these hoops, bend over backwards, make all this crazy stuff up just to explain life and the universe and everything in reality to be able to explain it without God. Occam's razor. Occam's razor. This is the reason why I've always wanted. I don't know if I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but you guys have heard me say it before. I would love to find out that aliens are real. Aliens visit Earth. And then non-Christians just go, "Ha, we told you. God isn't real." And the aliens go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. You don't believe in God? We believe in God." <laughs> <laughs> like we know God. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever heard you yeah, say that. That's what that's what I want to happen so bad. I want there right, to really be aliens if, and they go, Oh, wait, we they, know God. If they existed, God would also have revealed himself to them in the same way he did to right. us. Having like, aliens somewhere else does not invalidate no, God or Christianity no. because one, he could do the same thing somewhere else that he did here and he has no need to tell us about it. What do we why do we need to know? Be like, You guys don't you don't believe in God. Where did you guys get your science Mormonism? from? Mormonism? No. No. <laughs> like, where did you guys get your science from? Oh, we got them from these guys however long ago. They were Christians. <laughs> if you look at the heart of, and I'm, I'm not here to disparage any Mormons, but if you look at the heart of Mormonism, it's very self-serving. And that's not what Christianity is not self-serving. Do uh, you mean because you're... From a, man, from a man's point of view, it's a very self-serving religion. How so? Uh, because you subordinate everybody to you. <laughs> well, because you become, you're saying, in becoming a god? Well, you become a god, but not only that, or, no, or your wife can't get to heaven without you, oh, yes. other than through you. True. Yes. What? Yes. Oh, I've known, I know a lot your about Mormonism, but not that. Your husband has to call you up. You have to be sealed. You have to be sealed to them. If your husband's name is Scotty, and you don't say beam me up, Scotty, 
after he dies. I, that's when a, you say I do. That's a missed oh. opportunity. No, no. When your husband goes to heaven and calls you up, you ha- you have to say, "Beam me up, Scotty." On your deathbed. And then, sh- oh my and then you go up to your own planet where what all the people. I will call the race of people on my planet organoids. You don't go straight to your own planet. You don't go straight to your own planet. You go to heaven first, and you you can still you still have to work your way up the heaven rungs. What? Is that like heaven the rungs? Yeah, once you get to heaven, once you get to heaven, I made like that a up. ladder. That's my words. That's my words. There are three kingdoms which you could go into, and the Mormons will go to that top one. But that's still there's still a way to getting only the white to Mormons though. Godhood, right? They've since changed their belief on that. They changed their that. belief. Yes. Yeah, they don't say that anymore. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so at well, the top of the ladder is your planet then? If you climb the heaven It's been rungs. a little while since I've read and these about all of us, but... Then do you get to create stuff? Do you make your own day one creation yeah, you, you on the planet? You become the Christ figure what? for another planet. I'm going to call my people organoids. So Jesus was a Mormon who went through this. and then No he way. Was our, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's the only way it would make sense. <laughs> Who's the I mean, beginning that, of time? That is that, like it makes sense. It, would that be God? I don't know. Perhaps there are others. So God is. Yes, because when he say, when, when it says Jesus is the son of God, they believe this in a literal sense. I don't want to have. I don't want to have responsibility for a whole planet. That doesn't sound like paradise to me. Do they believe in the Trinity? No, not in that it's one. So they, so here's where they'll get you because you can ask a Mormon, like, who is Jesus to you? It's really like an indicator of like, let's, that's how I got one of my Mormon friends to at least acknowledge the fact that can you see why I, as a Christian, do not believe that Mormons are Christians because they believe themselves to be, they call themselves Christians, was to get down to the the, ta- the brass tacks of, okay, they will even say Jesus is their, like, Lord. If I say, who's Jesus Christ to you? They may say he's my Lord and Savior. But when I say, when you, when, do you believe that Jesus is God? Not the son of God. He is God. They can they will say no. They think the son of God is a different thing. Would they say that he's Lord and Savior because he happens to be the God of this planet? Therefore, he Possibly, is your... Possibly. I don't... I've not asked one of them that question. If you... And I try this with missionary, some Mormon missionaries. I Where'd they get that from, though? Like, where... Is that just in the Book of Mormon? That... that... Uh, I'm not... Because it's not, not in the Bible. The I could not... I could not make it all the way through the Book of Mormon. I tried. I should try again because it's been a while. Someone gave me one. I chased some off of my porch one time by asking them questions. They decided to just give me a book and leave. I was still talking to them here as they were walking away. I get more stuff from the Jehovah's Witnesses now than the Mormons. I didn't know this was going to be a world religions class. So Buddhism. I, I want to go back to something we were kind of dealing with earlier in the, the finite, uh, you know, nature of our lives. I, from, for you guys, I totally understand you, you are, um, you want to make the most out of life. You will have a lot of years left ahead of you. And I, and I have, unless something happens, a lot of 
I have good years left too. But I was like but really I, worried you're about no, to say no, something no, no, very morbid. No, but I've but I've reached the point that um, it's not that big a deal to me anymore. I mean, I, I'm satisfied with the life I've been given. Um, I don't fear death in any way. Now there are certain days ways I do not want to die. I do not want to be burned alive. Uh, I do not. Absolutely. I do no. not want to be eaten by a crocodile. Um, any in any way that you suffocate. Is a bad so whether that be drowning or that's a not a thing I want to experience. But as far as but as far as life, I'm I've reached a point where I appreciate I just appreciate life and the people around me so much more than I did when I thought I had you know when I had all these thirty forty fifty years yet to live, and I and I'm I'm actually liking it. I'm enjoying. I'm I like what it's doing in me. Um, this made mom nervous to like, she's like, I don't know if I want to fly with you if you're going to talk like that. <laughs> so. I'm it's like, satisfied. Eh, it's okay. Let's go find a potato factory in As Idaho. I was just going to say. say. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that um, it's something that I've always been conscious of. And I know it's always a, a balancing act for me. And it's kind of come up again this week. In that with all the craziness in the world that we can get so easily as we do on this podcast, get involved in talking about, you can never lose the big picture. Uh, in fact, I went back to a sermon the, just the other day and re-listened to a sermon. And I never listened to my sermons. I re-listened to a sermon I think I did on September 21st, I think it was, of 2021, just so like seven months ago, about taking the long view of needing to have the eternal perspective as opposed to just the things going on here in the immediate around us and all the craziness that's going on in the world. Um, that, you know, as a Christian, you need to keep, th- th- I, th- I think the cultural things are important of how we influence the culture and how we deal with it here and now uh, on a daily basis. But I also, that does not trump what we are called to be and how we are called to live and the perspective we are called to have as Christians, it doesn't trump that. That's more important than dealing with the culture that we're in here and now. And I, I always have to remind myself of that. And I do. I, I'm always trying to, I bang up against the limit of it very regularly, but I, I don't think I've ever crossed the line on it. Like The line of what? The line of where I, there are people who get so involved that um, their patriotism what, politics becomes their, their patriotism becomes more important than their faith. In fact, in this the area that we live in, it's it's always bothered me that people who are really patriotic they equate it as being the same as being Christian, and it's being not. Religious, yeah. Well, it is a religion, but it's not right. It's not Christianity, I, and that's and that's why I've always said. Um, I don't necessarily pledge allegiance to a flag. I pledge allegiance to the ideals. Yes, I behind it. I will fight for the ideals. I will fight for the ideas that were set forth in the Constitution. But as soon as that start, as soon as a a, a symbol like that starts to no longer represent my principles then I don't, Well, I don't. Is that not the whole reason that the pledge goes on? It's not just to the, I pledge allegiance to the flag, to the republic yeah, for, which, for it stands. which it stands. And as soon as it no longer God, stands for that. Under the then, authority of God. Yeah. You know, there's one thing. Tell me what you guys think of this, um, because 
like I said, this has kind of come up recently, um, that be careful about, you know, getting so focused on the cultural, political um, aspect of the world around us, um, that, that Jesus was not highly, you know, political or cultural. And that's true, he wasn't highly, but, but he wasn't completely devoid of it either. Um, and, but there is a difference. This is what I want you guys to consider. There is a difference between comparing Jesus to us here. Jesus lived as a part of a conquered nation. They were subjugated to the Roman Empire. We are not a subjugated nation. This is our nation. That does, I believe, change the context a little bit. What do you think? I've never thought of that about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? In what way? Like we are expected to fight to keep that we have a responsibility. This is what we were given. It's ours. It's not somebody else's that they're foisting it up 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 on us and we're subjugated to them. We have a, a level of responsibility that we've been given as we the people. You know, I've talked about how when it says that we're supposed to submit to those in authority over us, I completely agree with that. But in America, the authority appointed over us is us, we the people. That is the that is the republic that we're talking about the what it's designed i think you know jesus was telling people teaching people encouraging people to live a life for god however they could in their circumstance like within whatever that in their context within their realm of uh, ability like you know if you want to get fancy within their zitzenleben and ours means that we can be more Vocal. We we are to influence and to govern and to steer and to protect this culture. You know, one of my one of the commentators I listen to, she always says has a saying, and she actually just released a shirt with it. I kind of want it, and it is because she also has this issue where people will say, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't care about why do we care about politics? We shouldn't be political, and we shouldn't have be inserting our religion into politics and all this. And she says it this way. Politics matter because policies matter because people matter. Right. And, and that's what I was t- t- telling someone here recently. The word politics um, simply means public. It just def- it just is it just it's a word used to describe how we interact with each other in the public realm. Yeah, we I mean, we should want to fight for this country because this country to, to maintain um, what it always was. I mean, this country is, without a doubt, the greatest force for good in the whole world. I mean, right. And, and that like, was what as I thought. As talked... far as missionaries and aid and stuff like that, I mean, right. We should That's... fight to keep it what it is, specifically for furthering the kingdom of God. Right. And that's what I pointed out in that that sermon was that in the long term, if you want to be Christian and be evangelistic to reach people for Christ, then the best thing that you can do to accomplish that is to keep America the America that we know, because it has been by far the most influential for the kingdom of God of any country that's ever existed. And it carries out the vast majority of evangelical work on the planet. So my question becomes, how far do you go in preserving America as it is, when does that become, oh, now I'm having to do something that may be unbiblical I in feel, order to do that? I feel that. like it's something that you'll just know. I feel like it's something you'll just know that you won't know until the moment is upon you. I don't have a good answer for you in that. I, I'm like, Kate, I'm, 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 
I'm trying to figure it out and I check myself hopefully pretty much on a daily basis of what that limit is and where am I, where do I stand in relationship to it? Because I, there's nothing as crazy as this world gets and as things bother me, there's nothing worth uh, stepping over that line for because being who I am in Christ is, is the ultimate thing that, that matters. But so I can't sacrifice that. Yeah. But there is a line. I mean, there, yeah, there, there is a line. There is there a line. Is a, sure. Because okay. as I've said, because if I've said, as I have said on here that, Eventually, America, as we know it, will no longer be, and it, and we will still be. We will still be Christians, and we will still be living for God, but, right. So we well, can unless the United States lasts fight. till we the can, end of the earth. Jesus comes back. Yeah, yeah. I did. Was one of the sermons that we ever shared on here? Know your Calvary. I don't. Think I don't know we if it was that on here. I mean, but the but uh, it's obviously no. We did talk about drawing lines, like no. Well, know your hill, hill to, to die, die on. on. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and make no mistake, you're going to die there. Yeah, I, I <laughs> because would. Because the force <laughs> coming on you, it. I I think that people use the term hill to die on so often that it really weakens. You're choosing a place where they will literally have to kill you because you will not go any further. I mean. You are either go. You're not going to win. I mean, in in almost every single circumstance, when we talk about knowing your hill to die on, it's because number one, you're either going to stand there and be a martyr and just die, or even if you do fight back, you're going to fight off as much as you can until the overwhelming force kills you. One or the other, it's where you'll die. And you know, and to anyone that would complain that at some point, oh, it becomes difficult to or painful or whatever to stand up for my christian beliefs in our culture and our society it's too hard or whatever um can you just wake up and realize that virtually the entire new testament was written to people who are being actively persecuted or martyred for their beliefs jailed and they're and they're being encouraged to still live out their faith yeah you know that i had uh, this came up uh that somebody said to me that you know the jewish leaders were all this around Easter, you know, and we had a great Easter, by the way. I, I'm completely worn out after Easter, but it, we had a really wonderful Easter, I thought. Um, that the Jewish leaders were really upset with Jesus um, because um, he he wanted them, they wanted him to be, you know, this earthly king. And that was one of the reasons that they were upset with him. And I'm like, not the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders didn't want that. They didn't want him to be an earthly no, king at all. Them from their power, right. right? They were they were stooges for the Roman government. They, they, the Roman government kept them, uh, you know, favored them, gave them perks and all that, you know, by keeping the Jewish people under control. The Romans worked through the Jewish leadership to keep the Jews under control. In fact, at when when Jesus and and uh, Barabbas, and that's you know, why they crucified Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, when when Barabbas was, they said, "We only have only Caesar is our king." The Pharisees cried out, "Only Caesar is our king." So anybody that has this false notion that the Jewish leadership wanted to was upset with Jesus because he wasn't going to be an earthly king is completely missing the boat. Completely, completely wrong on that. That's the woke church. That is that's the woke church. That's like the like the Christian leadership that will preach all this. You're right. It woke is. nonsense. It's the same. It's the same thing. They are stooges for 
for the government. Yeah, yeah. the woke church. Those students and I, for the left. And they are. I was. I just read in you know Jesus saying, "Beware of watch out for false prophets, the like wolves in sheep clothing." And I thought, and I wrote in my notes like the progressive Christians and teachers are wolves in sheep clothing. Clothing because it sounds this like nice love acceptance all this stuff but it only leads you down the road to destruction yeah i'm supposed to you know this whole idea of we've talked about this before about uh, as a christian you have to love everyone and every and and by and you love everyone by loving what they do you have to love everything they do because if you if you're opposed to something they do then you don't love them um transgenderism this is one of the worst things and it is definitely one of the most prominent cultural issues that we're dealing with this is a you know one of those top two uh, issues right now. And think about this. Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple because they were misusing God's temple. They were destroying God's temple in the way it was being used. In the New Testament, we know that the human body, the human, us, my life, my body is the temple of God. He does not live in, you know, any longer in buildings. He lives in us. We are his temple. So if you are going to take what is somebody, a healthy young man or woman, you're going to uh, begin to give them puberty blockers, cross-gender hormones, cross-sex hormones, at some point perform surgery on them for gender. Tell me how you're not destroying God's temple. You're telling me that I shouldn't fight back against that? Jesus did. Can I, this is my message for woke churches. So this is from the Sermon on the Mount. And for context, Jesus is speaking, not to ever, he's speaking specifically to his followers, to his disciples, it says. And in Matthew 5, verse seven, starting in verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, well... One, the scribes and Pharisees were the bottom of that's the minimum you could do to get in, apparently. But my thought on this was, wow, a lot of people are going to be called the least in heaven for relaxing the commandments and teaching others to the, to do the same. They could be called worse. Um, right. At least you're in heaven. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, James 4.4, 4, James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I'd rather be the least in heaven than enemy of God. And that the fact that even relaxing commandments and teaching us to the same still gets you into heaven goes back to some we've talked about before. Like we might be surprised when we get to heaven at the people there at either how like wide God's grace is or like how little it takes or how much true devotion it. Yeah, I go back and forth on that. Some days I feel like, you know, God's grace, a lot of people are going to get into heaven that I may not really understand, you know, how that happened. At the same then there are okay, other but days. But they'll be when, called the least. There are days when I think, man, there's hardly going to be anybody there. None of us are <laughs> none of us are making it in. 
that's why I say, I, you know, on these things, you always have to be checking yourself. It's always a process. You never have, you never think that you've arrived at wherever it is that you need to be because I, I don't agree. There are wonderful Bible teachers out there, but I don't agree with anybody a hundred percent people that I, I, I mean, I can find something that I don't agree about even with the best. I don't, don't even agree with myself all the time because you change your perspective um, the more you study, the more you read, the more you pray. I mean, you just you change your perspective and your understanding on things. Yeah, and I would put more trust or uh, like listen, follow more a pastor who says things like that rather than one who knows it thinks, all. Thinks that their sermon is a thus saith the Lord because right. I'm speaking on Sunday and I actually there's a spot where I'm actually going to say, okay, this next part is a little bit. Cassidy's like, yes, it comes after a lot of study and prayerful reflection. However. It's not like a thus saith the Lord stamp. Right. Well, even there's even Paul, and we believe that the Bible is inspired and inerrant, but even a few places, Paul makes parenthetical comments where he says, not the Lord, but I say. Well, when he talks about marriage. Right. Marriage and sex, yeah. About, well, marriage or staying celibate. So, yeah, that's his perspective on things. So, um, there used to be a guy on the, on uh, when we lived in California on the radio, his name was Hank Hanegraaff, and he was the Bible answer man. And this guy was convinced that he knew the Bible one hundred percent. There was no, there was never any doubt in That's what he, he he believed. Yeah, that was. And I used to say, if you think that you know it all, if you understand the Bible perfectly, then you are being unbiblical because. Paul says to the Corinthians, for right now, until perfection comes, we only know in part and we only under, you know, understand in part. So, so if you think you know the Bible perfectly, you're being unbiblical because even the Bible says that we don't. That's and the last time conundrum. I, last time I looked around, I don't think perfection has come. No. People no, will, if this is perfection, then I don't want to be perfect. <laughs> People argue that it's the Bible itself that they're talking about. That when it once it was canonized, then um, that you know no longer applies. But my thought is, why would you put that in the canon if it hasn't yet been canonized? But in a couple hundred years, it will be, and we're going to live with it in for a couple thousand years, a minimum after that. So what's the point of having that in there? Yeah, and then some guy in North America is going to get these plates from heaven with these right. glasses. Magic And then there's going to be even more. <laughs> the Book, okay. of, Book of Mormon. Your things you said about understanding the Bible reminded me of this Facebook post I saw recently. And I, I fear to read this now because we are already going so long and this could spark a whole nother episode conversation. But someone posted a, a, an image that I know that says th- that, as far as I know, still is a Christian, says they are a Christian and believes in God and the word and says, I can understand the faith of the average Christian who has been spoon fed happy clappy Jesus verses once a week. But it's a particularly special individual that has studied the Bible, acknowledged the incest, genocide, murder, rape, torture, slavery, and misogyny, and still proclaim it as the loving word of God. And then I I had to get into the comments because I read them because I just thought, what is he trying to say here? And I still don't understand. Wait a minute. Okay. They are literally being what they said they could understand. They're the happy, clappy, happy verses Jesus. If you're going to reject all of the other truth that's in the Bible, I'm sorry that it's the hard truth, but you are literally being what you said at the beginning of your post. The happy, clappy, 
to do, you know, uh, deceived Christian that just thinks everything's supposed to be good. That statement conflicts with itself. They said that they found the behaviors that the Bible seems, quote unquote, sinful to be a mixed bag of things that we've found as society to be harmful. However, due to them being in the Bible, American Christians base their morality and ethics on it versus the collective human experience of the world. So we're not supposed to base our morality and ethics on the Bible. Oh, my gosh. Who is this? Do I know this person? No, you don't. No, you don't. And I'm not going to name them. No, don't. But if I knew them, I would need you to tell me that I can slap <laughs> the con- them. The, I the, will smith okay, them. Okay, so what they call the consequences of sinful behavior in the Bible seem inhumane, unreasonable, and uninformed on trauma and general human experience. Who cares about human experience? It's not. <laughs> Wait it doesn't, what does it doesn't matter. What it does doesn't matter. Mean? Well, what, what I hear, if I understood what you just said correctly, what they're saying is, is that we have... We have such a pension to anything that causes trauma, stress, anxiety. We just as human beings, that is not allowed. And these things bring those about. So how could that be God? Um, Simple behavior. Yeah, it's not. It's But it's completely misunderstanding the nature of the world that we live in. And that's the problem with so much I say. The liberalism in their ideals of what they want to bring about, a lot of times it's like, yeah, those would be wonderful things, but they don't work because of, of human nature. They fail to understand what human nature is and why it is what it is. So it all stems back to this person thinks that one of the greatest problems we're experiencing coming against modern religion is the idea that humans are inherently bad and evil. This idea is propagated by Christianity and feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we see people as inherently bad, sinful, whatever, then of course we will perceive any deviant behavior or criticism as such. The Bible literally like says... Con- they're calling confirmation bias. The Bible literally says no one is good, not even one. Yes. Well, well, it tells you that we are inherently well, and bad. And that's what he's complaining about. And you're, that's what, and that's what he's complaining about. And your Where? righteous acts are filthy rags. What I would say to him is, if you know, um, you know, you have a, a reasonable number of people that are part of your life that you interact with and have relationships with, if you don't think that one of them seeing an opportunity to screw you over would take it, then you are naive beyond what I can even comprehend. Because what he's saying is, is that if you treat everybody nice, nobody will ever take advantage of you. Nobody will ever do anything hurtful to you. Nobody would ever, you know, um, try to get one over on you. And that's just because he's saying that that, you know, because we're not fallen and we're not bad. Um, I, (laughs) I can't imagine thinking that, I mean, somebody in his life, if, if he, if the opportunity comes along is going to take advantage of him. Because that's human nature. Am I, I mean, am I, am I misunderstanding what he's saying here? I, I have no idea. I do listen to some people who talk about how, you know, life in, in this world, it, it is agony. It is misery. and blah, You know, Christians, I, I, don't, I don't go that far. I don't really agree with that. And there are people who I really like and respect. However, we do live in a fallen world. There are difficult times. Um, there are very unpleasant situations. Yeah, it also uh, says and, that the world will fall by you. nature. And that the world will hate you. We're told that the world will hate us. Yeah. What What about uh, also in James? James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. 
that doesn't sound like it's going to be super happy, you know, fun time all the time. It's one of those things where um, people uh, do not grow mature wise the way that, that I think that they have in decades past because people aren't um, we don't have the persecution or even just pressure of life the way that we used to. And we try to do everything we can to avoid it. God, I, you know, I mean, early on in my Christian faith, I, I remember, you know, asking God, how come he doesn't just immediately answer a prayer or fix some situation? And the, I, I immediately got the answer. And the answer was because you wouldn't learn anything. If I just swooped in and fixed everything for you, you wouldn't learn anything. And God wants us to learn. He wants us yes. to mature. So we go through challenges. We go through difficult things. Because testing your faith develops perseverance, and yes. perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yeah, exactly. And you but, cannot but, reach but, that. You can never reach that state if you don't struggle. Just under two hours after we finished recording this episode, I received a news alert that read, Georgia plane crashes at General Mills plant. It is reported that the twin engine plane appeared to have engine troubles and exploded on impact. But cheerio, friends, because this time the plane landed about 300 feet away from the plant, setting fire to several empty trailers. And thank your lucky charms that missing the plant saved many lives and copious amounts of a key part of your balanced breakfast. But General Mills should be wary of that silly rabbit coming for their tricks. As Ian Fleming, British naval officer, journalist, and author of the renowned James Bond series put it in Goldfinger, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. And we are far past three times, my friends. (laughs) 